This is Josh from Small Door. And I'm panicked about the stock market. What are you doing? I am uh, doing the dials on the uh, audio equipment. Where are we? We are in uh, 2022. I tell you what, man. I'm going to get right into it today because our guest's a little anal. He won't even mind me saying it. Because, you know, we want our founders anal. I'm an investor in this company. He's an old friend of mine. Um, And uh, I, I like having him on the show because I have a thick head of hair compared to this guest. You have any idea who that is then? Yeah, I think it's that's perfectly okay. I don't think Josh minds. The uh, I'm fascinated by two things: the, you know, the destruction of my own body that nature is doing, and startups. And I am a uh, personal investor in Josh's company, Josh Gutman, who uh, is my guest today, is co-founder and CEO of Small Door Inc., a startup reimagining the veterinary experience with a tech-infused membership model. Prior to Small Door, Josh was a successful venture capitalist, spent time at SoftBank, and before that, great experience at executive team, and now I think public company, Outbrain. So, been around the block a few times, loves golf. We have a lot in common. I'm a therapist when it comes to stocks. I think he says he's a little anxious about the stock market. Who isn't? Uh, And when I cancel Josh, I'm like, you don't even need the aggravation. But um, in our business, we end up sometimes getting uh, lucky with companies going public, so we do have that anxiety. But anyways, Josh is here to talk about small door veterinary. Um, Knud? Yes. Do you have a pet? Do I have a pen, yes. No, or or a pet, or a pen. Uh, (laughs) Sounds so good (laughs) in this room. Sounds so good, I can't even hear what you're saying. By the way, I I heard a hair grow just now. That's how quiet it is. My hair is really good, by the way. Um, I have two cats. You have two cats. I don't, does those count as pets? We'll ask Josh when he's on the show. I only consider dogs and horses as pets. <laughs> horses, and in okay. Canada, uh, black flies. So Small Door is magical, physical software experience. Started, I think, pre-pandemic. They just raised $20 million more in a Series A. But I want Josh to come in and talk through building a uh, retail-slash-physical-slash-software company for pets you know, through the pandemic in Manhattan. And so I'm, it's just a, a thrill to have him on. Let's bring Josh on. Josh Gutman. Hello, hello. How are you? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Howard. Yes, sir. Where, where are you today? In, are you in Brooklyn? You know, today is a work from home day, so I'm in Westport, Connecticut. Oh, right. You moved to Westport. I forgot. You unhipped yourself. I did. Pandemic move. I, I miss. I miss Brooklyn. I miss New York City. But, uh, but the family. It's good for the family. Good for the fam. I think there's eight, nine kids. Uh, Twelve. <laughs> you have three kids. Every time I look, there's another one. Three, three girls, all under six. Will you try for the fourth? You know, I would, but my wife has ixnated, so it's. I don't think it's going to happen. Which means you're still talking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I have a, a friend in town who has five. And I'm like, I, I, I was talking to him and I said, who, did someone make you do that? I don't know. Those are choices. 
And, you know, plus two is, is zone. What is like having three? Well, I, I will say that my wife is uh, on a week-long uh, women's uh, surf trip uh, overseas. Internet I, uh, or, or water? <laughs> she's surfing. Because uh, you are Jewish. Surfing. It could have been just internet surfing. Well, it's, it, it is unusual to, uh, to surf and be Jewish at the same time. But, uh, but, but my wife is one of the few. And uh, I'm alone with three kids for the week. And I, I have to say that after being alone for the week, you know, three feels like a, a, an okay number. Did she take your name? Is she Mrs. Gutman? She is Emily Gutman. She 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 took her maiden name as her middle name. Her her maiden name is Abate. Huh. And where's that? What region is that? It, it's Italian. Huh. Although although her family moved to Buffalo, so her family in Buffalo goes by Abate. And uh, and my wife worked in high fashion, so she went back to her Italian roots and and took on the name Abate. Her parents the first Gutman surfer ever. Her, her parents weren't thrilled with the with the revised pronunciation, but they, <laughs> they, they, they supported it. God bless. That's cool that you're letting her. So you've got the three kids. And so who's three, watching three them during this podcast? Or are they just roaming Connecticut? Uh, for, for the past three days, I've been on full duty. That's part of the reason I'm in Connecticut this week. And my mom just got to town today, and she's going, she's going to pick them up from school. Oh, awesome. All right, so let's talk pets. Yeah. Um... We can talk SoftBank and BC, blah, blah, blah. But I'm fascinated by this business as a pet owner and a pet lover, and obviously the pet industry is ginormous. So how do you pick? You're at SoftBank. You know, we were in, you're, you're in full disclosure. Josh Canutis has been an LP from, we, we, have, we have done four funds now, and an X fund, and Josh has been an LP in all of them. So he can vouch that we're okay at what we do. Um, so Josh, as and I think you're a great investor, and obviously having the experience at SoftBank and before that in, as an exec at Outbrain, what finally pushed you to go in this direction and start this company? Yeah, I, I, I would I would revise that and say I was an okay investor. I had some I had some wins, uh, but you know while I was at SoftBank. Um, you know, we were at the end of a fund cycle. SoftBank was going through some changes, which are now well publicized. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, whether I wanted to stay in venture, whether I wanted to, to do something else. And uh, around this time, back in 2016, my dog Morris, who I had adopted years earlier, got sick. And, you know, he was my dog. I was, I was still a single guy in Brooklyn. And, you know, he was my dog. So I took him to the vet, tried to figure out what, what, what was the matter. You know, the vet couldn't figure it out. Went to another vet and another vet. And, you know, ended up seeing eight different doctors in six different facilities over the course of 12 months, spent, you know, maybe $10,000 on tests and, and diagnostics, and I still didn't know what was wrong with him. Uh, we had done a lot of health tech investing at SoftBank, uh, companies like Talkspace and Sherpa Health, and, you know, we, we got to know One Medical, we got to know CityMD, and so I had done a lot of work around this category huh. and was thinking about it, and, um, you know... Uh, around that time, I was having breakfast with my my now co-founder Florent Pere. Uh, he had, he and I had known each other for a decade. You know, he, he was another entrepreneur in the New York ecosystem back when New York was just a just a, an upstart itself. Right. And um, and I was just having breakfast, and he had just sold his he he had just sold his prior company, and we were talking about what he might want to do next. And I shared this experience, you know, taking. Morris to the vet and trying to figure out what was wrong with Morris and and how veterinary just seemed to be an incredibly antiquated um, 
And, you know, we started doing research. And at the time, I was still a soft bank, had no intention of starting a business. But the more we dug in and the more we learned about the market, um, the more we, we decided there was a, a huge opportunity. And so um, we, spent, we spent that summer, I think it was the summer of 2017, researching. And by the end of the summer, we said, let's, 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 let's dive in. And the rest is history. But um, it was a very organic uh, origin story. And so today, what is Small Door? And, and how does someone, what's the experience? Small Door is, is, is a reimagined veterinary experience. It's membership-based. It's technology-infused. It is um, hospitable. Um, part of the, the planning and, and research that went into this was we're, we're studying other you know, D2C bricks and mortar brands, you know, brands like Warby Parker and brands like Sweetgreen. You know, we, 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 we studied what Danny Meyer was doing with, with his restaurant empire. And, um, you know, Danny Meyer's book, you know, um, setting the tables now required reading for all new employees. And, you know, that was the, 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 the back, the background research we did for the business. Um, and what small door is today is it's, sort of foundational technology that uh, has not existed in this category. It's a highly branded experience, you know, in the same vein as those brands I just mentioned. Um, it's a model of medical care that drives efficiency, uh, drives uh, a very high standard, best-in-class care, uh, and it's a membership model. And at the time when we launched, when we started this business, each of those was unique to the category. And so right. when we went out to raise our seed round, this was back in 2018. You know, a lot. This was before the pet category really got hot, and so a lot of a lot of good investors that that you and I both know kind of looked at us and said, eh, "I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is a good idea." Including me. Um, well, you, you you invested a little bit, right? But, but for through the fund, it just didn't yeah, appeal. We didn't yeah. do brick and mortar. A lot stuff. of a lot of a lot of good seed funds uh, looked at the deal and said, "Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure." Um, uh, but we ended up raising from Larry Hippo, Primary, Brand Foundry. And, um, and, and then, you know, what happened after that was kind of interesting. We, we, we launched our first location in the West Village. It, it performed very well in the first six months. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. Wow. And, you know, Small Door has, has been a pandemic company. It, you know, 80% of its existence has been in the pandemic. And so that's just an interesting way to, to build a business. But, you know, in those early days, March, April, May, June of 2020, we did the same thing that I think most companies did. We, we furloughed some people. We, we cut costs. You know, no one really knew what was going to happen. Right. Um, what happened to us was a boon. So um, our growth began to accelerate. You know, I think most people now know that there's been a surge in pet adoptions and pet purchases. You know, people have spent a lot of the last two years at home. And so everybody who had thought about getting a pet but put it off all of a sudden said, you know what, why am I, why am I waiting? I'm going to go get a pet. Um, and um, Just and to so make their life more difficult at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and so our growth, listen, I think it was a good idea. I think it would have been successful regardless. But uh, the pandemic has certainly been a catalyst for the business. But you're small, so you can't take care advantage of everything. So how does the strategy lay out for the business? How do you? Because I had the Carbon Health Guy. You know, One Medical, uh, which is probably closest to what you're doing. You'll explain to me. 
knowing that you have, it's a boon, but you're still a startup, how do you move faster knowing that? Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, we spent the first year, even, you know, three quarters of that year was, was you know, in, in the midst of a pandemic. And, and New York City, as we all know, was the was the really the epicenter for a little while. Um, and, you know, it was a scary time for everyone, right? It right. was a scary time for the world. Um, but we spent that first year, you know, testing protocols, testing communication uh, methods, uh, testing different marketing strategies, and really iterating on the concept. And by the end of that first year, we were profitable. Um, we, can, we were continuing to grow faster and faster month over month. And, and we, we now had confidence that the business was, was, was going to work. And so uh, we signed a second lease about eight months, nine months into the pandemic on the Upper East Side. Uh, that location opened and it was profitable in its very first month. So that gave us confidence because we said, oh, okay, well, the first location took six months to reach profitability. The second location is profitable in, in month one. Whoa. Um, That's a miracle. Like what would a typical brick and mortar take to get profitable? Well, I, I, think, it, I think it depends on the service you're providing. But, True. Um, Did you have but, a model that would have said six months or one year, one month? What were yeah, you working we, we, on? We were, we were projecting five to six months of profitability. And so- you know, we, we hit those projections, but then um, I think when you start a business, you don't know what's possible, right? You, you, you model it out, you do the best you can, and, and you, you come up with, with targets that you think are, are achievable and, and represent success. Um, now, but- I, I have taken, I don't know, 60, 70 goldfish to veterinaries around town. Am I getting the same goldfish back? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, because you know, if I was running a veterinary, I would just have a goldfish tank and just immediately bring it out and say, "Whoa, just came back." What's the weirdest thing someone's brought into? Well, we a only do door. We, we only do dogs and cats, and so like if I went and said, "I think I have COVID," would someone at Small Door treat me? There, there, there is a veterinary. In the West there's Village. a veteran. There is a veterinary lab test for COVID in dogs. I don't know that we've ever run it, but the test does exist. Yeah, because I run that test, and literally 50% of the time, if I was a dog, I'd be dead because I've had COVID on the dog test. So so it's small door. So you open the door during the – so were you allowed to stay open because pets yes, emergency? Yes, and, that, and that, that's, a, that's, a, that's an important So that was uh, important. Question. That's an Warby important Warby Parker question. could so, not. No, most, most bricks-and-mortar businesses had to close their doors, and um, – you know, a month or two into the pandemic, you know, every like state government had to figure out, okay, what are essential services and what are not essential services? And, you know, that was one of the things that that happened. It was very relevant to us because veterinary was declared an essential service. Should, and should be. what that what that meant was that we never had to close our doors. Okay. Um, so so while while a lot of restaurants, a lot of food service, a lot of retail, you know, were closed um, and scrambling to try to figure it out. We were just, you know, we, we were chugging along and, um, and, you know, there were six months into the pandemic, there was still this, there was still this, uh, this feeling that, oh, bricks and mortar is dead. And, and we were telling people, well, yeah, that's true for a lot of bricks and mortar. A lot of bricks and mortar is struggling, but not, not us. We, you know, we're, we're protected. So 
so okay so you have two right now locations we have three locations so the second one opened on the upper east side you know as i mentioned Smart it, location. It, ramp, it, yeah. it ramped very quickly has someone um, brought in a dog with a tuxedo in the upper east what's the weirdest <laughs> thing a pet has worn into an upper east Halloween. And do the pet owners in the Upper East look like their actual pets? Because that's what I always thought. I I, I think pet owners everywhere look like their pets. (laughs) So Upper East, and where's the third? The third one's in Williamsburg. um, Genius. And and that one opened uh, in December. The fourth one is under construction. It opens next month in Gramercy on 2nd Avenue. The fifth one is all. The fifth one is also in construction. It opens on the Upper West Side. And then, um, you know, we're going to have a sixth location in New York by the end of the year. And we're also launching uh, Boston and D.C. this year. So by the end of this year, we're going to be 10 locations. And what is the TAM for this business? How many, how many, how many, what is the TAM for something like this? White, white ocean. Like, what is it? Forgetting if you went and bought a thousand, like, like what Carbon Health is doing and they were on the pod. So, so tell me, like, how big this can be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, it, it, it's a hard question to answer, but the pet market overall is growing from, you know, 110, 120 billion this year to 275 billion by 2030. So in nine years, it's going to go from 110 billion to 275 billion. And that's according to Morgan Stanley's most recent research report. Um, you know, of that 275 billion, you know, roughly a third is healthcare. So, you know, that's 85 billion. Call it 85 billion uh, is the market. Uh, for or at least billing that's the market. people for their pets. Correct. Um, and, you know, the way we segment the market, and this is actually important, like we're not trying to be a service for every pet owner. There's over 100 million households in the U.S. that have a pet. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's, uh, you know, there are some businesses that, that, that go very broad, like Dunkin' Donuts or, or, um, you know, uh, I don't know, coffee, Wal- Any coffee. Wal- Walmart, yeah. you know, Starbucks, like, you know, there are companies that go broad. Um, you know, we wanted to segment the market and really focus on the most valuable segment of customers. And so what we, what we believe is that sort of one standard deviation away from the mean, if the mean spend every year on, you know, the average spend on veterinary across the country, is 700 bucks, one standard deviation away is, is call it 1200 bucks and more. That's the market we want to focus on. It's, it's roughly 16 million households who spend that kind of dollars. And, and do you, you use know, Google? So is it zip code based? Like you guys decide what zip codes could afford the 1200 a year? And are you charging 100 a month based on that or more? Or how, So how do you keyhole yeah, it down from there? Yeah. I mean, that, that TAM is roughly 20 billion, right? Okay. So that, you know, the, the, the total veterinary TAM in, in 2030 is going to be, you know, 85 billion, call it. The 20 billion are the 16 million households that we focus on. Yep. And, um, and so that's where we focus our time. That those are the customers that we think are the most valuable. The way the service works, you know, we have two tiers of membership. Uh, one is, the, is what we call access. And so it's $149 a year. And then you pay as you go. You get all the benefits of membership, kind of like American Express. Um, but the, the core benefit that I think drives a lot of value is you know, 24-7 telehealth. And... You know, to us, what that means is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you have an issue with your dog or cat, you can text us and our medical team will respond. Right. Um, That's cool. I think that's worth the price of admission. And it's a very actively used service. Um, We also have a premium tier of membership, which is $89 a month 
or you can pay for the year up front. About 35% of our customers do pay up front. Um, and that comes with all of your annual wellness. So your, your vaccines and your labs and your exams and your, your, your annual blood screen, and your, you know, all that stuff is, is, is included. And one of the interesting things about this business is when we came up with these tiers, we always wanted a basic tier, which was kind of the one medical, and then a premium tier, which included services. And that was always the vision, but we, we assumed that the vast majority of people would go for the, for the affordable option. And what we learned is that by offering a transparent package where it's clear to people, you know, here's what you get and here's what it costs and here's what you should be doing for your pet, right? And, and when we did that, we realized nearly half of our members opted for the, for the premium plan. And when I, when I say, you know, when I say half, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's $149 a year versus $1,200 a year. It's almost a 10x difference in cost. And yet almost half of our members choose the more expensive option. So that was a big learning for us. And we realized sort of the potential of this audience. Fantastic. So a lot of cooking and testing. Now, so, so here's, here's the case because we've been lucky and we had a dog that passed. We have a, a second dog. And um, one night in San Diego, uh, uh, Lindsay, I ate one of Rachel's hoo-hahs, tampon, whatever you call it. I used one. What do you call that? <laughs> <laughs> you have three girls. This is going to happen to you. <laughs> so, and we've been lucky with Lindsay not, and she's a little dachshund, so I saw the string. That's all I saw. Was, uh, and Rachel, it was, it was, it was scary but I didn't think to text anybody. So we hopped in and rushed to emergency. So in the end, like what people and their pets. So, so, so in this case, I'd text small door cause I'm in the neighborhood and, I, and someone would immediately get back to me. Yeah. You know, we, the 24 seven service that we offer is, is real. I think a lot of companies sort of say they're doing 24 seven, but right. you know, they, you, you call in and like an hour or two later, somebody replies. So, Correct. you know, staff staffing that and actually providing response times that are reasonable is, is easier said than done. And so that's our average response time is seven to eight minutes, um, uh, you know, 24 hours a day. And so, uh, that, you know, that's important because if, if your dog eats something, like like yours did, um, you, you need to figure out pretty quickly whether that's an emergency or not. Right. And I just tried to give it more food to see if we could poop it out, but that, that wasn't good. Obviously, I'm not meant to be a veterinarian. <laughs> and then I tried to pull the string, <laughs> and you can imagine. <laughs> so, so luckily, the dog is still alive, and Rachel's uh, a little more careful about uh, the doors to the bathroom. But obviously, in, in your case, you, get, you would do a text. The doctor would go on Zoom, and the doctor would say, uh, don't pull the string, get the hell over. And, and, and yours is very local because it's Manhattan. Yes. And, and so you chose D.C., you're saying, next? Yeah, we, we chose to go to Boston and D.C. as our next markets. Urban, um, so very th- urban. These are, yeah, it's urban, um, but are, are Boston and D.C. the two best markets in the country? Probably not. Um, you know, our experience is very, uh, core to what, to what we, who we are and, and, and we want to deliver an exceptional experience to our members. Um, you know, our member NPS has been 91 for two years. And so, um, we want to keep it that high. Um, and you know, by going to DC and Boston next, it allows us to be close, right? We're, 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 we're a New York team, DC and Boston are very accessible. 
I think a lot of a lot of consumer businesses, you know, choose to go to San Francisco or LA. You know, uh, obviously those are tempting markets for startups, but um, we decided to keep it closer to home simply because you know we'll be able to control the experience better. Yeah, and and the clientele that you're after is in those urban areas. Our perspective is there's honestly plenty of clients everywhere. Um, in every one of these cities, there's plenty of clients. And so, so they download an app? Yep. We have a mobile app on Android and iOS. Um, a lot of the activity runs through the app. So uh, appointment booking, uh, telemedicine, managing your pet's health. So you know, what vaccines have you consumed? Are you up to date? Is anything due? All of that can be viewed and, and, and consumed inside the app. And for listeners that have pets, what's the smartest thing to do where there's not a small... What, how should someone that has a pet like me think about in Phoenix picking a vet that doesn't have small door near it? What are the things that... Like- in, in, interestingly, in Arizona, there is an independent practice that uh, I think is doing a pretty interesting job. I, I got to look up the name of it, but um, there happens to be an independent clinic in Arizona that is uh, doing some similar things. But I think for most people... Um, you know, there, there's 28,000 vet clinics in America, and the the vast majority of them are independent, mm-hmm. uh, which mean which means they're doctor owned, doctor run. Um, you know, doctors are mostly very well intentioned, loving people, but they're not business people primarily. Yeah, and um, and as a result, I think the 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 quality of client experience and the the technology and the marketing and the management it it really sort of falls by the wayside. Not you know, through no fault of their own. It's just, you know, they went to medical school. They didn't go to business school. And so now what does it take to run a typical small door? Six people, eight people? Yeah. Our typical uh, launch team when we open our doors is two doctors, four nurses or veterinary technicians, as as they're called in the industry. We call them nurses. And um, and four member experience professionals that really work the front desk and sort of manage, manage the members, manage the customers. Um and so that's a total of, of 10 people. And that's, that's what it takes to, to really deliver the service. I think, you know, your typical vet clinic in, in Phoenix or elsewhere probably runs with fewer professionals. Um, but we wanted to, to, to really leapfrog. We wanted to deliver something that was superior. And so one of the ways we, we wanted to do that was to staff the, staff the clinic appropriately. And I would think more than doctors, veterinarians love animals more than doctors love humans. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of the people in the industry love animals. This is an industry that is populated by people that don't do it for the uh, financial gain primarily, but do it for uh, the love, the love of it, the passion. And uh, I think that's true of, of, of everyone in, in the category. That's true of the doctors, the nurses, uh, the people that work at, at our front desk, the people that work in our office. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly mission driven uh, category. And, that's been another learning for us, frankly. It's it's uh, people are, you know, I've I've worked on five startups, and you know, when I was at SoftBank, we invested in a lot more. Um, it feels different to be working on something that's truly mission driven. Um, there's a sense of purpose that uh, that you bring every day to work, and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it, it's it it brings it's, it's a it brings something different to your uh, to your to your to your energy and to your purpose every day. So everybody's having trouble recruiting. I imagine because it's, I don't know how long it takes to become a, a veterinary. Can you do that on YouTube or do you have to actually go to a medical school? 
there are about 35 veterinary medical schools that are accredited and, uh, and, and that you can get a degree. But it's very similar to human medical school. It's right. usually a four, a four or five year program. And so I got to imagine there's a massive shortage in veterinarians. I don't know if there's a shortage today. There's a projected shortage over time, given the growth of the industry. And, um, you know, when people ask me about hiring doctors, what I, what I typically say and what I believe is that there's a war for talent right now. Right. And, and it's across every, every sector. It's across every every sector. And, uh, you know, marketing and operations and, uh, and you know, every, every category is, is, is fighting a war for talent. And engineers, I mean, try to go build an engineering team, you know, Um, and it's no different with doctors or nurses. It is a different market. It's a different population, but there's a war for talent because of startup funding and whatnot. And there's another war for talent because I think the pandemic has caused a lot of disruption. And, you know, some people have, have sort of reconsidered their, their, their goals. Some people have uh, moved. Some people have, uh, had chosen a new career, and so uh, there, there's there's disruption for all those reasons. And we uh, we need to hire quite a few doctors to hit our our growth milestones over the next two years. And so it's certainly a you know a core competency for us. But um, I don't think it's that much different from you know we're also hiring people on our growth marketing team. We're also hiring people on our operations team. We're building out our engineering team. So you know we're we're fighting those wars every day. And so is there like a verticalized place to hire for this category? Or I guess you're just, it's just talent. So you can go to Indeed or, and Headhunters. Well, that, that's a great question. So I think one of the things that makes it challenging is a lot of these vets are not on LinkedIn. Right. And, um, you know, there's no monster board for vets. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is, that is one of the things that makes it challenging. And no, certainly but that's, you can, that's the opportunity, too. Totally. If you solve totally. that, that's the opportunity. T- totally. I'm just turning um, this into an investor call quickly. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's, it's a lot about relationships. It's a lot about hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously the universities are a good source of, uh, of, of, of talent as well. Now, for the Series A, did you go with a specific type of investor? Did you think of someone who had brick and mortar experience or medical experience, insurance experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it was interesting. So we, it's <laughs> a good story. We were... Florent and I were scheduled to kick off our Series A fundraise uh, uh, March 12th, 2020. Wow. And um, we actually were scheduled to fly out to the West Coast that Sunday. Um, you know, everyone knows what happened. You know, Friday is when things started to shut down. And so uh, actually Florent and my family together went upstate and we, were, we decided to, you know, because we were on the verge of a fundraise and we had a lot of work to do, we both of our families camped out in a house upstate and we tried to uh <laughs> we the, the, this place we were staying had a house and it had a it had a, a, like a like a guest pool house area and so we, we made the guest house our office and the families and the kids were in the other house and um and every day we, we sort of walked over to the uh, little little house and, tr- and d- did some work and and we were trying to you know figure out what to do it, obviously the flights were all canceled so we couldn't fly to the west coast and we said, okay, maybe we can maybe we can use Zoom, but at that time, a lot of people didn't even know how to use Zoom, and uh, you know we we did because we you know we're, we're relatively tech savvy, and so we said, hey guys, why don't we do the pitch over Zoom and and uh, we can we can see how it goes, um, and so we did a few pitches over Zoom, you know CNBC was on in the background, the markets were gyrating, 
you know, those were the days where the markets were down like a thousand yeah. points and th- things were going crazy. And after three or four pitches, we kind of looked at each other and said, this is not, this is not going well. This is not a, this is not a good environment to be pitching. And so, um, you know, unlucky timing, we, we did an internal round. We raised a little bit more from our existing investors. And then, you know, a- as I mentioned, the business continued to grow and accelerate through that year. And so at the end of that year, um, you know, we had been talking to a bunch of funds. Um, we ended up closing the Series A with a firm in LA called Toba Capital. Um, it's a $1.2 billion uh, sort of multi-stage fund. Um, and we did not actually know them. When we were going to do that fundraise in March, we didn't know them very well. But uh, we got to know them over the course of the year. And and by the end of that year, we had a lot of, a lot of comfort with them. They are a super smart group. You know, they don't have the biggest brand name. But uh, but they're they're smart and they 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 work hard and they, they they have all the right ingredients and so what we decided was that was much more important to us than the big brand and they've been great partners so we're very happy with the decision. Amazing. And so, what's the next big challenge? Uh, money or people or the opportunity? Like, what's the most important thing? Yeah, well, we, we are we are we are going out for our Series B very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anytime you go out to fundraise, you know, you're pitching, you're out there. But um, yeah, you know, we feel pretty good about it because the business is performing very well. Um, I think you know, I, I think the the next challenge is launching new markets and and proving that what we've done in New York is replicable in Boston and DC and in, in other places. Um, anytime you launch a new market, if you talk to Neil at Warby, if you talk to, to John at Sweetgreen, like those new markets are challenging. And um, in, in some ways people say it's kind of like, like launching a, a new business all over again. And so, um, you know, they, they, I don't think they should be taken lightly and you are announcing yourselves to a new city. And um, you know, those are, those are things that need to be taken seriously. But um we have a lot of conviction. Like we've studied this business over the course of two and a half years now, and we have a lot of confidence in its potential. Um, is it easier to acquire or start from scratch? That's a great question. Most of the innovation in the category has been private equity roll-ups. Sure. Just milk and, it you know, and sell it to all the, the next all the, bi- all the big private equity funds have a horse in the race. Huh. And that was one of the things we quickly learned. I like we said they're a horse in the race, like veterinarian yeah. joke. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was one of the things we quickly figured out when we were researching the category. But the issue is, you know, these, these private equity acquisitions are, are, are 10 to 20 times EBITDA. And we can build these things and we can build it better, right? It's like the Biden build back better. Mm-hmm. We can build it better. Yeah. And so we can build better experiences. We can acquire better members and we can pay ourselves back in two years. And then, and then the rest is, is gravy. And so um, when we've looked at those acquisitions, certainly you gain something with speed because you can, you can acquire faster than you can build, but you're paying yourselves back in you know, 10 to 20 times EBITDA versus a two-year payback on the, on the build. And at the end of two years, we have something that we're very proud of. And you control we, it. That we control it. And huh. um, I, I think huh. there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of unknowns. I agree. With the, As a small yeah. investor, I agree. Yeah. It, 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 question people don't know this about me, but I, I have a horse pet horse and um so if i brought my horse to the west village store would you would you take it meaning if you know people have weird pets like could you service a horse at a small door in the west village yes no 
I don't know if a horse would fit in the exam room. <laughs> the, the, the exam rooms are sized for, for dogs and cats. And so I, th- I, I suspect a horse depends on the, you know, maybe a pony. So that you're but, saying the doctor can come out and just do stuff. I mean, we could probably do some basic stuff. I, I think, uh, you know, most veterinary doctors get some equine training in their, uh, in their veterinary programs, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's a no try it show try it try it, <laughs> show. I, I, you know, it there should be a button on the site just so you know that says for the idiot that has a horse this price because you know you're gonna that's just money you're gonna have like no one's bringing in their horse so you just collect the just collect freebie idea just saying there should be a box for the lunatic in new york that has a horse we'll take it yeah so next question dogs cat what's the percentage is it 70 percent dog 30 percent cat what like is it yeah, different states very different close thing? very 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 close estimate so it's 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 the industry wide is 70 72 percent dogs our business is actually closer to 78 percent dogs um and um you know it, the reasons are are somewhat intuitive yeah you know dogs go on walks dogs pick up germs uh, dogs eat things they shouldn't eat you know mm-hmm. and that's that's what drives up healthcare costs cats you know primarily stay in the house and you know kind of uh you know kind of hibernate I didn't even know cats got sick well yeah well cats cats also live longer lives they don't get sick as much so um you know i, I think all those reasons now cats cats are wonderful customers we love our cats and well sure cuz you, you know you a kill lo- them 10 times sorry your cat died bring it back tomorrow so <laughs> so are, who's the worst customer a cat owner or, or a dog owner like what are, what are the what's the inside scoop like when a cat owner walks in versus a dog owner is there a cringe worthy type of customer over the other or are they equally scared of their pets because we have so many more dog owners than cat owners because dogs are really the dominant species in the industry mm-hmm. um I, I you know it, it's most of our focus you know um i i can't say that i've i, I don't think uh, you know the problem members sometimes uh bubble up to me and I have to make a phone call, right. um, but I but I have to uh, I, I I have not had to make one for a cat. And if you had to hire a chief of medical officer of Small Door, like so, it's the two founders. None of you are, are vets or doctors. So have you had? Yeah, to- yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. we have we have an amazing head of veterinary medicine, uh, Jamie okay. Richardson, who uh, has been with us from the beginning. Um, she she's she's the head of veterinary medicine. You know, all the doctors sort of report up to her in one way or the other. Um, we have 14 doctors on the team and, uh, Jamie, you know, is a unique talent. She is an exceptional doctor. She's practiced veterinary medicine around the world in multiple countries. And she has the intensity, uh, to be an awesome startup founder. Uh, and so, um, you know, we were were very, we were very lucky to find her and very lucky to have her. Awesome. Well, this is amazing. Um, it's really a fascinating business because it feels like white ocean or whatever you call it in front of you and uh, built built during COVID. Um, is there anything that I missed? I mean, obviously you're hired. So so people who love animals obviously uh, want to be in, the, in this type of fast growth slash medical slash pet industry. Just hit me up. I'll introduce you to government. How many open positions would you imagine right now on the site? I mean... We're, 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 I'm interviewing every day. I think I had five interviews today. So we are hiring on almost every team, um, you know, engineering, marketing, operations, strategy, medical, uh, almost every team has open positions. 
what do you think's the right like if there's one thing in an interview that stands out for this type of business is it just empathy i think for the for the client facing roles empathy is very important um you know, I don't want to give away all all our secrets, right. but um, but but certainly, uh, you know, bedside manner, you know, so to speak, uh, is something we look for in our doctors and our nurses. Um, I think that's very important in delivering, a, you know, a high quality member experience. And um, you know, obviously for the for the HQ roles, we're looking for different skills, you know, specific to the role. Got it. All right. Well, small door is it smalldoor.com? Smalldoorvet.com. Smalldoorvet.com. We couldn't we couldn't get small door because a guy in San Jose owns it. If you're listening, I've emailed you several times. <laughs> Please reply. Listen, you can't avoid the Gutman. When Gutman wants something, Gutman gets something. And so uh, I'm just so happy that that this is working. And it's just a testament to how much opportunity there is to just reimagine even a modern country like America relative to other countries. It's just the beginning of the beginning as, as, we, as we push all this stuff forward. Uh, pretty incredible run. Uh, it's great to talk to you, my man. I'll let you get back to the three kids. And um, we will uh, talk soon. All right. Thanks, Howard. See you, buddy. Canute. Howard. I know he was panicked about the market, but I have to talk to him about that often. Yeah. So I didn't even want to brave it. This is all about pets. Pretty interesting, huh? Very interesting. I have a thing about the, the horse thing. I think they call it small door for a reason. Oh. <laughs> Hesta it means horse, Hest. does it not? The Hest, yeah. Hest, Hest is Norwegian for horse. How I know did you how know to, that, Howard? I'm not even... Why would you trap me into a into something that you don't want me to say? Well, because that's what you're good at. So I thought maybe when I could... people, when I was younger, yes. my twenties, I I liked to swear at people in foreign languages if they bothered me, and so I knew how to swear pretty well in Norwegian. You were really good at it, and uh, it goes as both a pickup line. But I tell you, it only you don't use it with very white people because they could be Norwegian. And is Hess the same in Swedish? I would, think, I would think so, yeah. Probably the same in Swedish and Danish. All right. You are listening to Panic with Friends, where we, once a week, sit down with founders, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, traders, talk about big ideas, trying to help people stay motivated one step ahead of the curve, big trends. Uh, pet industry is just enormous. One of those industries that uh, was pushed forward. Every kid should have a pet. Uh, I didn't grow up with one, but my kids did, and I can't, it, there's nothing bad about having a pet. So the industry fascinates me. Um, there you have it with Josh about the innovation of, of hardware meets software meets brick and mortar. Uh, endless opportunity. Hit me up if that company interests you, and I'll introduce you to Josh. And uh, search my name, Howard Linton, on Spotify, Google, Apple, Podcasts, YouTube, uh, you'll see Panic with Friends. Subscribe, tell your friends. You get a podcast a week alert. You don't have to do anything else or think. Uh, they're pretty evergreen, so you can go back through the catalog and listen to some great founders and venture capitalists and traders and see some of the amazing calls and companies that have been made over the last couple hundred shows here. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, Knute. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of social leverage or stock twits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. 
Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.